Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick. That's right, yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I was watching a documentary the other day or something I came across where uh, Dave Grohl said he stole that drum riff at the beginning from a disco band. <laughs> no way. Yeah. He's actually, he's got some great stories. Oh, yeah. Um, you see, by the way, he's got this massive smoker and he uh, pulled it up to some uh, homeless uh place in uh our homeless shelter in la and cooked like 500 pounds of barbecue did he just yeah for the homeless huge by the way big time pit master dave Grohl. didn't know that yeah big time into barbecue uh fantastic his story is very unique who did the better rendition of this song though nirvana or weird al weird al, weird al don't you think weird al's awesome weird al's rendition of teen spirit is very <laughs> Tries to sing with all the water in his mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It. I think it's his best one. I think it's Weird Al's best one. Um. By the way, the kids even know who Weird Al is anymore. Yeah, this is when we need our we need our zeer. Yeah, I bet not. Sadly. All right, let's get to it. Mitch Harper, kind enough to join us, uh, Cougar Insider for KSLSports.com. Mitch, how are you? Hey, Mitch. Doing great, guys. Uh, excited for spring ball to today and, and BYU hoops in action. So it's a, an eventful March afternoon. Happy to be on. Yeah, we'll get to that stuff. Uh, are you a Zier? A Generation Z? What, when were you born? I'm a millennial, 1988. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So, so as a millennial, you know Weird Al well, I'm sure. Yes, I know Weird Al. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know Weird Al, some of his, uh, some of his tracks. I, I've listened to Weird Al over the years. Man, 1988. Boy, those are good years. That was a good year for music, too. <laughs> Scotty was knee-deep in chicken and pig poop by that time. <laughs> Wading through it. You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> Watching a little short circuit, too. <laughs> no. I, I, yeah, actually. 1988. Yeah. No disassemble. Uh, what? So you kind of grew up on 90s music. Was Nirvana a big thing for you in high school? Probably not. What was the big thing in high school when you were going through high school, Mitch? For, in high school, for me, it was 
the Usher song, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Usher was big. Um, I'm trying to think of some other... Did you say Usher? Yeah, Usher Raymond. Uh, you got it bad? <laughs> You know Usher. Oh, oh, Usher, the R and B guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Kanye West was a big thing Uh, when when I was uh, in high school. Fifty Cent. Those were those were kind of the the big artists. I I like kind of hip hop and uh, R and B. That's that's kind of my my jam when it comes to music. I'm not necessarily the hard rock guy. I like soft rock. Uh, I like some old school like Chicago. Oh, uh, so, soft rock. I, I always enjoy some of that, but uh, so but yeah, those are some of the groups when I was coming up. So, Mitch, Scotty's first dance at his wedding was the theme song of <laughs> Land Before Time. Uh, you want to? Uh, my, you, you want to compare? Mine was the theme song from Fox and the Hound. They, I'm not even kidding about this. Scotty's theme song. His first dance was Land Before Time. Okay, let me <laughs> let me back up the story here a little bit. So, Hans had told me that his first dance was for fox and the hound best of friends best of friends yeah. and i mocked him just <laughs> non-stop non-stop until my wife texted she's like hey do you remember our first song and i didn't i didn't remember <laughs> <Yes>. it <laughs> and it was the land before time what was the i don't I, it's like i i'm sure lloyd has it it's got hey a, well we don't need to be playing no, this mitch needs to know mitch no mitch to, the last thing mitch wanted to hear when he came on the air today was like hey what was i wonder what hands of scotty's first dance were at their weddings do, do you have it lloyd because it's it's a great first dance song and by the way i don't even think there was a first dance i think it was just played in the background well because there wasn't a lot of dancing okay but it's romantic and it's so stinking cute. Actually, I think this is it. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Mitch, picture Scotty dancing to this in his first With the old step, step, slide, step, step, slide. The vibes just seem immaculate. Yeah. Oh, it is a good song. I'm not even laughing at you. I'm just having fun. fun because fun with me. Huh? I, I want to be in my wife's arms right now <laughs> and have her leading and me just following along. With my head on her shoulder while I danced to that. Uh, Mitch, what was your first song and your first dance? What was it? Uh, first dance for my wife and I, our song was, it was Lady Antebellum. Uh, gosh, I, I Need I, You I, Now? I, yeah, I think it was, I, I don't, well, actually, I don't think it was I Need You Now because my wife didn't need to do a last call at the bar to find me, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> um, it's two uh, o'clock and I'm already <laughs> drunk and I need you. I can see Mitch doing like, yeah, baby. Well, that, that hits home. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I can't remember which which one it was. It was Lady Antebellum. She's probably going to be upset that I don't know it, but uh, it was the Lady Antebellum song. I love it, Mitch. Those are good things. All right, Mitch. Is BYU basketball done enough? To give you a little bit of momentum or a little bit of faith that they have some momentum going to the Big 12, or do they need to win tonight against St. Mary's? I think they would need to win against St. Mary's. You know, I think beating Portland and LMU isn't enough. And, you know, I think that, you know, Mark Pope, this team's been underperforming. There's no doubt about that. And I think that it's been a subpar year by BYU standards. I think Mark Pope knew going in that the misses that they had in the transfer portal, the Antoine Davis of the world, the, the Shawnees who ended up at Missouri, those were some big misses that had they got those guys, we're talking about probably a different BYU team, a, a BYU team that looks more like 
the group that they've typically been in the West Coast Conference, a second or third place team. Uh, so when they missed out on those guys, it it, it really changed the dynamic. And uh, but the standard, as Mark Pope told me before the year, should not ever be lowered at BYU. There's a high standard of winning at BYU, and to not have you know potentially a 20 win season, that's that's a letdown. So. Uh, you got to win tonight. And if they can win tonight, I think that gives a little bit of some positive vibes for for the program going forward. I mean, you think back to 1990, the last 33 years, BYU's only beat two ranked teams in a conference tournament, one of which was against St. Mary's uh, five years ago. So it doesn't happen often when they beat nationally ranked teams in these tournaments, but uh, a huge test tonight, and they got nothing to lose because – you know, it's it's uh, no one's going to expect them to win. If they could pull it off, it'd be quite the victory for Mark Pope's crew. So, do we look back at Mark Pope's decision to put Dallin Hall on the court and take Rudy Williams off the bench? Do we look back at that as a, a turning point for the negative? And here, Rudy is now back on the court as a starter, and things have kind of shifted. How much do we look back at that decision and and maybe judge it? I, I look back on that and think it was the right move because Rudy Williams was just a turnover machine. Uh, to begin the year, I mean, he was you know six, seven, eight turnovers a game. It was it was it was rough early on, and you know it showed the fact that Rudy Williams didn't arrive until mid September on campus, and I think that a late arrival really kind of put him behind the eight ball to where there was a slow start for him, and there was no chemistry with the team. He was just kind of running aimlessly to run an up tempo attack, and it was reckless. So I think it was the right move, and. And I think, too, that, you know, Mark Pope's always – it's a unique dynamic, too. When you got a guy like Dallin Hall, you want to give him a lot of opportunities and a lot of run because regardless of what happens this weekend, you know, Rudy Williams is going to be gone after this year, and Dallin Hall is going to be a piece of that future, at least you hope, because you just never can bank on anything being guaranteed in college sports anymore with these guys and having the transfer portal and NIL. Uh, you, make, you better make sure that they're happy. Uh, and roster retention is going to be huge for Mark Pope this offseason. So I think you know part of that has to be the fact that you want to make sure Dallin Hall is happy with his role and that he knows that he's going to be used in a way that at a high volume uh, to be a big piece in the Big 12. So I think, I think it was the right move. And I think you know it's worked out right now, too, going back to Rudy Williams because uh, he's kind of felt a little bit more comfort level, and he is a senior and it still worked out to the point where hey, Down Hall knows he's he's a future piece, uh, but in the moment, Rudy Williams is the guy that needs to kind of carry BYU in this weekend. So, how much of a roster turnover do you think BYU would like to have? I mean, is there is there going to be some hard conversations about look, we have to open up some spots and we need to be better from a talent standpoint? Or there's some guys that might be encouraged to look for playing time elsewhere. I think that, you know, you, you lose Gideon George and you lose Rudy Williams. I'm sorry as my That's dog goes. That's a big dog. <laughs> what do you have there? Dog. Mountain dog. I'm sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. That's a... What's his name? What's his name, Mitch? I have a Bernice Mountain Dog. I My apologies there. What, what's his name? Uh, Scout. Oh, Okay. Scout looks like it sounds like the size of cocaine bear. Right. Yeah. yeah, Scout's a Scout's a good sized dog. She she uh, protects the house whenever someone comes to the door. But uh, uh, yeah, she's she's a good dog. But but yeah, as, as I say with with the roster, I mean Gideon George and Rudy Williams are going to be gone. I think you know you then you look at maybe trying to open up two or three more spots. I think you need 
about you know four scholarships to really make an improvement with the roster. Uh, you know, you want to keep. I think the key cornerstone pieces to work with or work around are Fusini Triori, Dallin Hall, Jackson Robinson. Uh, you get Trevin Nell back, a, a sharpshooter who's been out this year with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's he's been practicing. He's fully recovered. It's just been a decision where he's opted to redshirt. And so you, you've got some pieces to work with, but you got to go get a proven big in the portal. And that's easier said than done with how competitive it's going to be. But I think it helps that BYU's got an NIL, and I think it helps too that Mark Pope has been in the NBA. He's been a big man in the league. He's you know he, he's he's had success with getting high end prospects before in the portal. Now he's got an NIL collective arming him, and maybe they can pull out a, some magic and, and get a, a big man or two out of that portal because they need it desperately. Their size has been a real issue where it's caused Triori to be out of position. But I think four four spots, uh, you know, is kind of the sweet spot I look at. You get Jake Walleen back from a he's a heralded freshman coming in next year, a six seven guard. So they got some options, uh, but they got to get some size in that front court to go with Foose. All right, talking a little bit about spring football. So Scott and I opened up with a spring football segment, and I was looking at it this morning. Actually, I've been kind of looking at spring ball and coming into it for the last week. And I sent out a tweet to kind of back and verify what I said. I said, the way I see it, this is the most important spring ball in BYU history. Preparing for your first impression at the P5 level, finding and developing a new quarterback, installing a new defense with all new defensive staff, building out an offensive line that doesn't have Freeland, Barrington's, or Tukuafu. I think that, that this is the most important spring ball in BYU history. Can you debate that? Um, can you think of one that was more important? And what do you think of that statement? You know, initial thought at hands is I agree uh, because I think you're, you're 100% correct on that statement. Because, you know, you go back to the days of the Mountain West, BYU always knew its place. They knew where they stood uh, in that league. They were near the top of the, the food chain, and as far as a brand goes, in the Mountain West and the old whack days as well, too. Uh, but in, in, in an independence, it was always, well, you know, BYU's still doing a nice job carving out a role in college football, and they're, uh, you know, despite their limitations, they still got a pretty good team. I think everyone kind of at times sometimes made excuses for BYU because of their just difficult situation being an independence. Whereas now you've got the Power 5 affiliation. for You've been waiting decades for it. The time is here. And I think the urgency is critical in this spring. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned on my KSLsports.com spring preview, I'm really curious to see kind of the urgency from the players in practice because I think one of the underrated aspects to this spring is the, the fight to kind of maintain your roster spot. Because this is the last offseason after, after this spring, when it's concluded, where coaches will have their exit interviews. And in years past, you know, Kalani and the staff have had hard conversations and have maybe nudged guys out and said, this is where it lies, and you're probably not going to play. And they could do that because they had year-by-year scholarships uh, in the program. Now, as a Big 12 member, on July 1st, everything becomes a four-year guaranteed scholarship. So you don't have that luxury to just kind of nudge out a player if they're not performing well. So you got to make sure to hit on all of your targets as much as you can uh, because these guys will then have more power, the players will, when it comes to 
uh, kind of determining their status within a program because they get four-year scholarships. So I think the, the urgency has to be kind of off the charts because I think it's going to be uh, a little bit more cutthroat because each roster spot is so critical and so valuable because no longer is it a situation where BYU can't get guys. They can get players. It's still not going to be blue blood type status, five-star recruits. It's not going to be any of that, but there's tons of players out there in the football world that would love to be at a Big 12 program and have it be BYU. So uh, the players in the program right now, uh, they have to have that urgency and show it, every single one of them, to earn their spot because there's so much jockeying for position to establish roles and to identify things. Uh, that that this spring is critical, and I think you're not, uh, you know, overselling it at all. This is the most important spring BYU has had, uh, is you know, in in their history because so much is on the line, and you have a chance to go into that has no set pecking order of the power structure. You can really make an impression in year one if you can be competitive and really lay claim to being a, a tough out in this league. But you know, it gets going here today with spring football. So what are the position battles you're keeping an eye on? What do you want to see or who do you want to see uh, from a group standpoint in terms of their ability to be ready when the season begins uh, in September? I think the, the running back position is going to be interesting. You know, Aiden Robbins, the UNLV transfer, he's got a uh, wrist injury, he had wrist surgery in January. So I imagine he's going to be a little bit more limited if, if playing at all, likely you know, unavailable with the wrist. So who are going to be some of those guys that emerge? Hinkley Rapati looked pretty good at, at the tail end of last season. Really good Juco running back years ago uh, that Jeff Grimes really liked when they brought him in. So he's a name to kind of keep an eye on for. Uh, I think that running back room in general will be uh, very interesting to kind of see how that pecking order stacks up because they got a heralded freshman coming in in the fall and L.J. Martin, who I think could be an impact player the moment he steps on the campus. And, of course, Aiden Robbins when he's healthy as well. Of line is going to be interesting. Aaron Roderick, you know, obviously said on, on, on these airwaves here on the on KSL Sports Zone that he feels it's going to be the most, a more athletic offensive line than last year. But I feel like there's some real questions when it comes to the depth. You know, Kingsley Suamata'i is going to be, uh, I think, an all world talent. I think he could be a first round NFL draft pick. He's that good. The sky's the limit for Kingsley. Connor Pay is going to be very good at center. Uh, where does Paul Miley fit? I think he's going to definitely be in the starting five. Where's he end up at the left side, right side at guard? Waylon Lapua, who's going to be really good. Who's that right tackle position for BYU? I, I would give the early edge to Braden Kime. He was a guy that got some run early on in, in uh, Daryl Funk's time here at BYU in 2021. He started against USC and started in those games late in that season. So I would give him kind of the early edge. But I really want to see the depth uh, rounded out into form on that offensive line because I think it's thinner this year compared to years in the past. And on the defensive side, I think the, the battle it battles in the defensive line. I think that position group, the D-line, with the additions of Sione Puha and Kelly Papinga as coaches, that's going to be the most improved group in this BYU program. And I like the personnel that they have. I'm just really curious to kind of see how it all gets pieced together. I think Isaiah Moa, a former four-star from Weber High School, is going to be big time this year for BYU at that out, outside edge position. They get Isaiah Bagna from Boise State. Tyler Batty's probably going to be one of the leaders of this team at defensive end. Blake Mangelson, a former walk-on who Kelly Papinga's pretty high on uh, from Juab High School. 
And Bodie Schoonover from American Fork turned down Nebraska, Utah, UCLA to play at BYU. He's a redshirt freshman. So the D-line is going to be interesting. And I think, again, it's going to be, to me, the, the most improved group in this whole BYU team. It's an area that's got low expectations. But I think they can – will come out of spring. That group's a lot better place than it was a few months ago. And I think it could, that's going to be a testament to Jay Hill and that whole defensive staff the work they're going to put in if they can stay healthy on that defensive line. Mitch Harper joining us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Mitch, always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for dealing with our nonsense Thanks, and hanging Mitch. out with us. Always a pleasure. Take care. There he is, Mitch Harper, kslsports.com, Cougar Insider, BYU, big day. Start a spring ball and a showdown the against St. Mary's. Of friends. Life's a happy game. Um, your brother sang this, right? Yeah, I did. You could my sister, my sister-in-law played it on the piano, and he sang it. And a man and I danced to it. I'll tell you what, that is a skilled family right there. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I didn't say I danced well. No, I didn't say that. No, I you got it. somebody playing the piano. Your yeah, brother. Like everybody's doing something. I'm not going to name names, but while we were dancing to it, yeah. Somebody on Amanda's side of the family slipped on some cake that was on the ground. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, I and went da- and went down hard. Yeah, and then so, and then somebody screamed, "So and so's down!" And everybody was like, "Oh, who cares about the newlyweds?" They were trying to help this individual. Well, I mean, they were probably in a great deal of pain, and it was probably because you tried to smash cake in the face of Amanda. I don't know who did it first, and then so there was cake remnants on the floor. Because you probably got over-aggressive. I think Amanda may have smashed it in my face first. We don't have actual video of it. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> it does sound right. No, it doesn't sound right. That sounds like something you would do. I think I was trying to help her eat faster than she <laughs> could. A little, little hands-free eating going on at the <laughs> old reception. Where it all began. And so she decided to smear it in my face. And I think it was the portion she smeared in my face that was on the floor that this individual slipped on. So everybody had to stop. The yeah. attention goes off of you and not of this individual. Yeah. It ruined my first dance. <laughs> really. Man, we had really crappy songs for our first dance. No, man. I'm so proud of it. It was the, Fox and the Hound, Best of Friends. That was one of the most surreal moments on this show. And I'm just giving you the business on that thing. And my wife's like, <laughs> hey, um, you're being a little hypocritical. And I didn't remember the song at all. Well, about the time I was coming of age, I was reading the book Fox and Hound and listening to the adjoining cassette tape that would sing along. And you know the along. original book, like everybody dies, like Chief, the Fox. Yeah, I knew Chief did. I knew uh, what's the name of the by the way the, the, dog? the voice of Chief Copper on literally everything of Disney. For a long, long time. That voice, I, can't, I don't know the name, but yeah, like, he is on everything. On everything. And I would listen to that song. And at the end, uh, I think her name is Pixie or Foxy. I can't remember. The, the the female fox that comes and finds Todd. Oh, yeah. And then at the end, they kind of curl their tails together in a heart. And I just was, I fantasized about finding the perfect person to join in union with. And and that when someday when I did, we would dance to that so, song and- so what was the conversation like when you're wedding, planning the wedding? You're like, look, I just have one thing. It we did, need to play the Fox and the Hound for our first dance. It didn't go well. 
I would like to sugarcoat this and say that she was all on board, but she was like, what? What song? <laughs> so my brother's going to sing it. Amy's going to play it on the piano, and we're going to dance oh, to boy. Best of Friends. Yeah. Good songs. She couldn't believe it. Oh, what was your first song? Th- to the wedding that you didn't invite Scott and I yeah. to. Yeah. What? I will give What'd you What they have a, blasting down at the courthouse? I will give you just a sneak preview of it if you can come up with it. Okay. I'll be Go very ahead. impressed. All right. Let me hear it. It's oingo boingo. Science. Is this weird science? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Millie Vanilli. No, that's, that's new kids on the block. Hanging tough? That's hanging tough. <laughs> Your first song was George Michael. Let me no. hear. Let me hear the whole thing. No, I don't think you want to hear that part of it. Is that uh, wake little... me up before you go? <laughs> no, it's oh, not. Is it Wham? It's post Wham, huh? <laughs> oh, geez, Lloyd. Is that really your first song? No. Oh. no. I was just kidding. I was being funny. Oh, okay. All right. Wow, I couldn't even pick up the first hint of that. But we, Scotty and I gave it a couple of good guesses. Yeah, yeah there were some good guesses in there. Boingo, boingo, weird science. Yeah. Loved it. 235, Hans and Scotty. Uh, coming up next, we'll spin the wheel. Sports Roulette next. This is this is DJ and PK. Joined now by Steve Cleveland, his weekly appearance. I don't know at any point in the college game if you can win by losing. But in the pro game, you can. The Jazz, judging by who they're sitting recently, seem committed to the idea of improving their draft status. It's going to be really difficult for them to make the playoffs, just looking at the schedule moving forward. And it's not like they're tanking in the sense that it has anything to do with effort. It's just they don't have the bodies they had. And injuries to Markinen or to a Clarkson have a huge impact on this team. Utah's had a great year. I've loved their effort, and I think that's what that program's all about. That's kind of what the mindset of the Utah Jazz has always been a toughness and a competitive group of people, and they just can't ever get away from that. And I don't suggest for a moment that they will, but we'll see a great effort going down, whether they're winning or losing. Catch DJ and PK, mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Some sports. This is Sports Roulette with Hanson Scotty, presented by You First Credit Union on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. 
Wilson, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is time for another edition of Sports Roulette. We take some of the big storylines, put it on a roulette wheel, spin it, and wherever that little ball lands is what we end up talking about. So let's get to it. Lloyd, fire up that wheel. Video of Victor playing two-on-two with Rudy. You see this? Have you seen the video? I have seen the video. Wow. I don't know what we've got on our hands, but I actually tweeted out just a quick clip of Victor Wimanyamba putting Rudy Gobert under one arm and then a five foot eight guy under another arm. Yeah. Standing at seven four. You would think Rudy Gobert at seven one would be a kind of a visual match. Yeah. But when Victor puts Rudy under his arm and stands next to him. That extra three, three, four inches, whatever it is, it looks like an extra foot. And then watching the video of them playing two-on-two and watching Victor give him a jab step and step back and knock down just a soft-touch jumper, whether it's a deep two or it's knocking down a three, it was impressive. And so Rudy's just D'ing up on Victor, and they're running a lot of one-on-one D, and You've got Victor Wamiyama that's driving on Rudy, pulling off the shoulder and hitting a jumper from 10 feet Yeah, with ease. Yep. I remember, now granted I was just getting out of college, but getting into the, the whole sports radio thing. I remember the day and age of, or the time when LeBron was a senior in high school and everybody knew he was going to be the number one pick and everybody kind of felt like this dude was going to be one of the greatest players of his generation. Yeah. Watching his high school games was something else. Yeah. Like Dick Vitale's over there calling LeBron James high school games. And this has the same feel. Like, like whoever gets this guy is going to be set for the next 10 to 12 years. That's what it feels like. It's exactly what it feels like. It just is weird to see that because I've stood next to Rudy probably 15, 20 times. Yeah. And I know how he makes me at six foot five feel. That's how Victor Wimanyama makes Rudy look. And we're just looking at the picture right now. Now, here's the thing. Rudy, that's the same frame Rudy had when Rudy came into the NBA. Now, Rudy's worked on, you know, a ton of strength and conditioning and, and has got his body up to where it's at now, where he's bulked up considerably. Imagine Victor with the same strength and conditioning that Rudy's going to go through and what he's going to look like in the next three or four years. I don't want to imagine it. It's it's freaky. Whoever gets it, it's just, I feel like whoever gets Victor, if they put a couple pieces around him, it's the next dynasty. Yeah, yeah. His body might not hold up, and that's one thing that you could... We just saw Chet Holmgren couldn't even play a single second in the NBA this year. Yeah. yeah, His slender frame just couldn't hold up. Yeah. But Victor's been really durable in the time that he's played. His touch off the shot is so smooth and so unique. His handles. Yeah. He's handling one-on-one against Rudy, and he's hitting with crossovers, and he's putting it behind the back, and he's doing all kinds of hop skips and... Just unique stuff. And what in is an he, 18, 19? By. Yeah. It's not 20 yet. No. No, and he's driving by three-time defensive player in the NBA. Yeah. At this young age, before he's even 
gotten into an NBA workout schedule. By the way, if I'm Rudy, I find every cell phone in that room and break it. Yeah. I don't know if I want that video getting out. Or I let him film, and then I get 2% of your first contract, or 3%. And I'm sorry, I did not recognize the other guys that were playing on those. It, it was 2-2. Two and two. And so you were able to watch Victor break off the baseline for an alley-oop, and it showed Victor's ability to pass, distribute. Uh, he's got a really beautiful move as he comes under the rim, and a, a quick grab and turnaround dunk. Because his arms are so long, he runs further past the rim than an ordinary human, but can take the dis- the, the dish and yeah. still put it over the top of a defender. He had Rudy spinning. Now, it is a two-on-two, and I, I'm sure Rudy wasn't going into this thinking, my life depends on it. No. He got his money. Whew. Wow. Victor is going to be a lot of fun for yes. a lot of years. Yes, he is. I will enjoy watching him in the NBA. Been nice if it was in a jazz uniform. Yeah. All right. Uh, spin it. Well, that card sucked. The UFC. I did. I bought it for Rock's birthday. Not Scotty. Me. You. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And. Uh, yeah, and I'm not happy. <laughs> and you won't do it again. It sucked. I want to quit the UFC so bad. I know you do. I want to quit it. But I just sit there and I, I can't quit it. Everyone, it, It's like I get away from it and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Well, John Jones comes back into the UFC after three years. And I'm talking pathetic counts of criminal activity uh, from John Jones. Yeah. Just disgusting stuff, riddled with abuse and riddled with addiction and riddled with DUI accounts, hitting a woman in a vehicle that was pregnant and running, fleeing this, like the worst. And I'm thinking, nice, I'm going to watch him three-year layover and he's going to come in and Gain is just going to kick his butt. He tapped him in a minute and a half. Oh, it's he put him against the cage and tapped him in one of the most dominant, ugly displays of alpha maleism over a guy. I, and I, I, you don't see this tap very often. It's kind of a against the cage guillotine. So Gain was on the ground, sitting on his butt. Jones had his his head in the basket, kind of around, you know, his arm around the head, and just pushed him against the cage and used his leverage to push him against the cage and choked him out. And that was it. And he tapped. He was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. He saw like three or four efforts to throw a strike, and that was it. That was it. So now John Jones is going to be the face of the UFC again as the heavyweight champion of the world. And then the Shevenko, who I, I've liked, she's the was the female champion, she looked terrible. And lost just a garbage fight. So, how do you? How do I get past it? Uh, how do I quit it? How do I just blank it out of my mind forever? You got a president that hit his wife a couple of times in front of people. Yep. 
and nothing was done. You now have a heavyweight champion that has some of the most despicable criminal acts in UFC history. Yep. And now he's the new fa- he is the, again the face of the sport. <laughs> he's got to walk away, man. Walk away. Does it intrigue you at all? No, no, never has. Man. Like I, I enjoy watching it with you because I know how passionate you are about it. Yeah. And I'll follow the storylines because I know you're involved in it. And yeah. I know that it's something that our audience, a good chunk of our audience likes. So I know I need to be up to speed on it to a certain extent. But if I wasn't working in this industry or was close to you as a coworker and a friend, never even think about it. Wouldn't even think, wouldn't even think twice about it. Man, I wish that's how I felt. I don't know. It, it's it's gotten so far away from. It, okay, to give you the perfect example, they had the biggest money maker, the biggest money making potential fighter in the history of the sport, say, "I'm done." Francis Ngannou said, "I'm done. I'm going to go make money boxing." Wait a second, you're our heavyweight champion. I'm not going to fight again. Wait a second, you're contracted. I'm not going to fight again. Litigate it. Charge me. Fine me. Whatever. But the second I step into a boxing ring, I'll make $50 million. Yeah. I'm making $4 million a fight with you. Find me $20 million. I don't care because I'll go make 50 Yeah. And then after I pay off the fight, I'll make another 80 Not wrong. The UFC is just jacked up. It was the worst card I've ever seen. And I'm not even going to watch the UFC anymore. I'm done with it. Until they find a card that's intriguing yeah. and suck me back in. Do I dare ask, was it forty nine ninety nine? Seventy nine ninety. Oh, oh, oh. Happy birthday. So Rock have his buddies over? Yeah. Yeah, he had his cousins. Yeah. Mackie brought a friend over. And it, we made a big fun night of it. Taco but, bar? No, no taco bar. Uh, p- big pizza night. Oh, okay. Yeah, big pizza and and desserts and cakes and stuff. It was it was a fun night in those terms, but seventy nine ninety nine. And if you didn't have an ESPN Plus account, one twenty nine ninety nine. Jeez. Now that one twenty nine ninety nine gives you a full year of ESPN Plus, but it was one twenty nine to be able to purchase that fight because that's the only way to watch it is with the ESPN Plus account, which I have for another approximately two months. And then I, I'm going to let that expire. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. All right. Hanson Scotty, 252. Wrap this thing up. Unrivaled coming up right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, hope you're all having a tremendous day. And remember, listening to Unrivaled because Jeff Donovan with Get Your ERC Refunds will be in the studio live breaking down how he can help you out. It's all right here on The Zone. Wherever you go, The Zone will be right there with you every step of the way. It's the all-new KSL Sports app. I love it. Where you can listen to The Zone wherever you may be. Listen to me, this stuff is available everywhere. It's your new home for streaming The Zone and getting all the latest news, insight, and analysis of the teams you can't live without. It's the all-new KSL Sports app. Available now wherever you shop for apps. Standing here beside you Want so much to give you This love in my heart That I'm feeling Funk for three, get in there Yes! Oh, Taylor Funk! 80 
to 71. It's a nine-point game. Boy, did Utah State need that, and this crowd just erupted. That's there you my go. guy. Taylor Funk, big three. Listen to my guy over there. Taylor had some struggles coming into that game, but boy, he lit it up. 24 points in that game against Boise State. Eight rebounds and one assist. Four of six from three, and they needed all of them. Let's make Scotty the Titan of the game. <laughs> that his, is your His call was more exciting than the shot. That is your Tim Daly Nissan Murray Titan of the game. And, of course, we do it every Monday right here, courtesy of Tim Daly Nissan in Murray. Go get you a Titan. You were having a good fun, a good time on Saturday. That was a fun you? one, yeah. Yeah. Now you can hear the energy in the I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of complaints from Boise State fans, or at least they didn't at least make them to me. How many shots did you take? None. None. You probably have to own a radio to have for them to hear it. I don't believe you. You no. did not go an entire broadcast. I, I went, I did not take any shots on the lovely city of Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Lloyd, they own radios, man. Stop it. Okay, okay. <laughs> they own radios. Well, it yeah, it was it was on the stream, the TV stream. So if they had Wi-Fi in Boise, then oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, there you go. Didn't have that? No Wi-Fi. Now that's more likely than them not having radios. Okay, let's not let's be honest. It's both. <laughs> A big night tonight, uh, headed out to BYU Spring Ball. Yes. I'll get my first eyes on Slovis and this BYU rebuilt offense and take a look at Jay Hill and going to be looking at some of the blitzing patterns and linebacker usage and see how much things are changed. Oh, and I'm so two things I'm looking for Spring Ball. Number one, Slovis, timing, arm, accuracy, rhythm, all those things. Number two, somebody coming off the edge. Yeah, because they're going to be rushing against uh, Kingsley, Siamatea, and Kime. Kime is another six seven guy, six eight guy, long extended arms. That is probably going to be those will probably be your bookend tackles. I want to see a guy in a one on one in a team setting. Anything I know it's not full pads and it's, but you're still going to be rushing hard. I just want to see somebody rush. Yeah, yep. Get to the quarterback. That's all you want. All right, we'll have a full report on that coming up tomorrow. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. By the way, uh, the women's uh, team for BYU just lost in the West Coast Conference semifinals, 79-64 to to Gonzaga. BYU men's team will play in the semis tonight against St. Mary's as well. Utah in action a little bit later on the week. Utah State in action later on the week. It's a fun week of boobs. It's right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.